Good morning. My name is uh, Taylor Marcus, and this is my wife, Lindsay Marcus, and we're just excited to be here this morning and have the opportunity to share our testimony and uh, our journey as a couple, um, and specifically our journey with our kids and um, really over the last five years, which a lot of you have been a part of. Um, First, I thought we'd share a little bit about ourselves so you have an understanding of who we are, and then we'll get into our our story as a couple and our our kids and how God's used um, us and showed us so many things through a lot of hard situations with our kids. So um, I grew up in Wilmer, born and raised. I have awesome parents, awesome Christian parents that taught me about Jesus early on in life. I have three amazing siblings, and I had the, the blessing of going to... CCS as a young child, and then Wilmer, and eventually Bethel in the cities where I got to grow my faith. Um, and after that, I after graduation, I stayed in the cities for a bit and um, had a few jobs. Um, so my name's Lindsay. Uh, I had a really similar upbringing um, as Taylor did. Um, my dad is a pastor, so I'm a pastor's kid. And um, since ever since Whenever I can remember, I've always known and loved Jesus, and I accepted into my life as a, at a young age. Um, I primarily grew up in Michigan, and I moved to the cities because my dad had uh, moved to the cities to become a pastor at a church there, um, and that is where I met Taylor. Right. So we met in the cities. We actually met online, which is, uh, happens a little bit more now than what you'd uh, think it does. Um, but we knew early on from dating that we were we probably were going to get married, so... Um, uh, two years after our first date, we got married on that exact same day. And then a year after that, I convinced her to move to Wilmer, which wasn't uh, the easiest thing to do. But I did, and um, I had an awesome opportunity to work with our family business. And so we moved to Wilmer, bought a house. We did our church shopping, so we came back, and we um, we came to the open door one Sunday, and uh, we just knew that this place would be home. We knew that... Um, Right away, so we um, have been coming here ever since, and um, I've had the opportunity to serve on the, the elder team as well with just the great group of elders that we have um, in this church. Last week, if you were here, uh, Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge uh, was here, and one of the gentlemen was up here sharing his testimony, and um, he shared specifically from First Corinthians thirteen four through eight as a verse that he lived out daily, and how as he interacted with people, he would try and um, Show love is patient, love is kind, um, and he went through that. And he jokingly said, "It's also a verse that gets used in every wedding out there." And he's not joking because it was used in our wedding as well. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So this week I've been reflecting a little bit on that um, and, and God speaking to me that way and um, thinking about vows that you say when you're, when you're getting married. And it's stuff that you don't always come back to. But one that I was thinking is in sickness and in health. And as a 20-something-year-old um, getting married, you just don't expect that the, the sickness part is something that you're going to have to deal with. And you don't expect that the, the sickness part is... You're, going to be something you have to deal with with your kids you think it's going to be when you're older and uh, as a couple um, but that's our our testimony today is how God has uh, been working in us through some ta- challenging times with our kids and how he's been preparing our heart and uh, really setting us up 
um, through this all to, to learn more about him and grow our faith. And um, a lot of you guys have been on this journey with us. You've prayed with us. You've, uh, you've cried with us. You've supported us. And we're just so thankful for that. So love does always persevere. Um, and this is our testimony about that. So you got the pictures? We got a few pictures we'll show here. So um, after we got married, we found out we were pregnant in the fall of uh, 2017. And then the next uh, spring, uh, we had a little girl that was born, uh, Penelope Lynn Marcus, who many of you know as uh, Penny. And she runs around and dances here. She's really pretty cute. Um, over the next four, four months, we uh, really struggled with feeding her. At the hospital, she wouldn't take a bottle. She wouldn't breastfeed. It was always a challenge. And it was kind of stressful. And we chalked it up a lot as, hey, we're first-time parents. We don't quite know what we're doing. We'll, we'll figure this out. Um, but as time went on, it became really evident that uh, something was wrong. And we used our Google medical search, uh, and we found that something didn't look right in her mouth. Her uvula in the back of her mouth just didn't look the way we thought it would. Um, so we brought her in the clinic. We um, got referred to Children's St. Paul, and they confirmed that she had a cleft palate. Um, and while we were really happy to have some answers, it, it was nice, and they gave us some things that helped with that, um, feeding her, the news was really difficult because there was just a lot of uncertainty. Uh, there was genetics that we had to figure out. We didn't know how, how this would change her life and how this would change our life. Um, you envision a perfect family and a perfect child, and, and it was hard to come to terms with maybe it wasn't going to be that way. And um, selfishly, it... Uh, it it felt like I was really worried about myself and how things would change me. And um, looking back at that, uh, God was speaking and working in our lives and, and uh, softening our hearts maybe for what was to come. And we did give Penny up um, and allowed the, the correction. At, at 10 months, she, she went to Children's and um, had her palate surgery completed. Everything went well. The genetics came back clean. And um, as life went back to normal, we... Um, we just were uh, praying that uh, life would just continue to go that way for Penny. And I remember sitting at the kitchen and saying to Lindsay, well, nothing's going to be as hard as our next, as Penny. Our, our next child isn't going to be as hard as, as this, um, which I turned out to be as completely wrong. So when we got pregnant with our second pregnancy, things, um, I'm already going to get emotional. <laughs> Things um, started off differently than they did with our first. Um, early on in the first trimester, we found out that there were two babies, but one of them had stopped developing early on. Um, we were really sad about that loss, but we were also super excited about the baby that was still growing, and we had a lot of hope. As the pregnancy progressed, I started to have significant bleeding. We'd go into the hospital, things would look better, and I'd get sent back home. At 24 weeks, we got put on bed rest at home. Um, and about every other week, we were back in the hospital. And at 31 weeks in the middle of the night, I woke up to some significant bleeding. Um, this time, I was ambulanced to St. Cloud Hospital. Um, it started off as just a transfer. Things were seeming to be okay. Um, but as the ride went on, I started having contractions every two to three minutes. And I was losing a significant amount of blood. Um, I just cried out to the driver just to drive as fast as he could. And... Um, there was a nurse that day that just held my hand. She just kept telling me to be strong for my baby. Um, thankfully, we did make it to St. Cloud, and uh, things actually did slow down. We were able to have a higher-level ultrasound and figure out what was going on. Um, 
We found out that I had a rare placenta complication called Vesa Previa, and if she would not have been born in way of C-section, um, it's like a 97% chance um, that she wouldn't have made it. Um, so we were super grateful that day that um, we thought the trauma was behind us and we were going to have this baby early, but she was going to be okay. Um, we had a plan in place to wait a couple days, get some steroid shots, um, but things picked up again. So a few hours later, we had Noah Jane Marcus on May 22, 2020, with emergency C-section, and she was um, 3 pounds, 12 ounces. There was a NICU team in the room that took her away, and Taylor went with them, and they got her stabilized, and I got to go see her afterwards. And I just, all I remember was seeing her little chest just rising and falling. And she was so little, and it was just, um, it was overwhelming and painful to see our little baby so small and hooked up to so many cords. Um, we were so grateful to God for um, protecting her, and I felt like he protected um, me and kept her in the womb until the right moment. Um, we were just so, so grateful. Um, so the first week, we were just figuring out what it was like to be NICU parents. What does that mean? Um, she had a blood transfusion. She... She started to gain some weight. She was doing fairly well. We felt like, you know, the trauma was behind us, and now we were going to just settle into this, what we thought was a one-month NICU stay. Um, at this point, I was very much um, feeling like I had control of the situation. I wanted things to turn out the way that I wanted them to turn out. I had thought that I had previously committed all of me to Christ, and I, I just, looking back, I don't think in this moment that I, I really knew what that meant. Um, so at one week of life, all babies born before 32 weeks, so she was born at 31 weeks, all babies born before 32 weeks have a routine brain ultrasound. Um, brain bleeds are common in premature babies because their brains aren't ready for the world yet. But she was doing well. We really had no, no concern that there would be anything wrong. We were told it was routine. So I got into the NICU that day, and her nurse came and talked to me and just said, hey, um, her doctor wants to go over the results of her brain ultrasound with you. And I still didn't think anything of it. A few hours later, he came in and he sat down and uh, he explained to me in the kindest way that he could that Noah had suffered from a significant brain bleed. Um, there was bleeding in her brain. And um, he said, this is significant. You need to go ask everyone you know to pray. Um, he also said that on the right side of her brain, there was a spot of brain damage that they could already see. It's called, I'm going to butcher the name, but periventricular low malaysia, something like that, PVL, okay. damage to the white matter, and this would affect her, her physical abilities. Um, Taylor was not with me at the NICU because they had parent visitor restrictions. We could actually not see her together, and if I went on one day, he could not be there on that day. So I had to deliver the news to Taylor over the phone. Um, they did allow him to come in that day so we could be with Noah, and um, we were broken um, I've never had something like this happen before, and we were just completely broken. Um, that day, we just sat with Noah, and we completely gave her to Christ. Um, it was really, really rough. You know, we had envisioned this life that we thought she was going to have. Um, we envisioned how our life was going to go, the things that we were going to do. Um, and there's just a lot of grief on that day. 
um, I think this was the start of a shift in me to fully commit my life to Christ. So the plan was uh, two weeks later to have another follow-up brain ultrasound, and for the time being, we were just going to do whatever she needed, and we were just going to kind of have to watch and wait, see how this went. Um, It could either get better, it could resolve, or it could get worse. Um, So the next two weeks uh, were rough, um, but she did well. She actually fully got off of oxygen, um, and she never went back on it. And she started to gain more weight. Um, she was stable. Um, if you are, know anyone that's been to the NICU, um, a lot of babies have spells, which is where they, their heart rate and their oxygen levels just plummet. And it's like a normal thing in the NICU. But as a parent, watching all your kids' levels drop and the alarms go off and someone come in and shake them, it's, it's, um, it's, pretty, it's pretty traumatic. Um, so the second brain ultrasound came around, and I sent Taylor to the NICU that day. And Taylor was the one that got to um, hear the news, and the doctor came in. And um, we had been praying. We had asked everyone we knew to pray. We did not stop praying. And um, the doctor said the brain bleed was resolving. There was hardly any blood. And um, the spot of brain damage on that right side of her head was gone. It didn't show up on the ultrasound. It was miraculous. It just... That's something that we didn't know, even know was a possibility. So we, we now were so thankful, just so thankful. I'll remember that day forever. Um, so the plan going on from here, she was about 34 weeks gestation. The plan was to have another brain ultrasound four weeks later or to have it when she got discharged from the hospital. And um, over the course of this next month, there were things that... Um, no one needed to start doing in order to come home. She needed to start being able to regulate her temperature. You saw a picture of her in a little box. When we took her out of that, she couldn't handle it. She'd stop breathing. And um, she also wasn't taking in anything orally, um, any substantial amount. Um, The doctors started to get concerned, as well as I started to get concerned. I don't know if Taylor was concerned yet at this point. Um, There's a lot of time in the NICU. You just sit there alone. And I would listen to worship music, and I felt um, like that this month was a pivotal month for me in my faith. Um, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me that there was something wrong. Um, I ha- so I had an intuition that it wasn't going to turn out how I wanted it to turn out. Um, I slowly started giving Noah to God every day, um, and I slowly started giving all of myself. It didn't happen one time. It didn't happen on one day, but it was something I did over and over and over again, um, there are parts of me that um, I found that I didn't, I didn't like. Um, I had to give up, like, having control and wanting things to be the way that I wanted them to be. I had to give up this image of what I thought our family was going to be. Um, until, and I just gave up my life every day until I had given up everything um, to God. And I never want to forget Um, where I was at that month. I never want to be the person that I was prior. I want to be this person now that is just completely God's. Um, I started speaking truth to myself, and the truth was that if Noah was not healed here on earth, that she was going to be healed in heaven. I had peace knowing that. Um, I also, you know, we were praying for a miracle, um, that she'd start doing these things. 
Um, but I came to realize that, no, it was the miracle. I was looking at the miracle right in front of my eyes, and God was, I just needed to watch what God was going to do. I needed to start obeying and just showing up and doing what God was calling me to do. So four weeks later, the scan came. I already knew something was going to be wrong, and um, the doctor asked if I'd come into his office and we could go over the results. Taylor was on FaceTime, and uh, he showed us her brain ultrasound, and there were two very large dark spots large dark spots taking up half of her more than half of her brain he explained to us that because of her brain bleed there was a clog in the system your your um cerebral spinal fluid um runs through i'm not sure exactly how it all works but there was a clog in the system and the fluid started to build up in her brain Um, it started to swell in her brain and put pressure on her brain matter and her brain matter was thin and it was at the edge of her head Um, he explained that she had hydrocephalus it is, it is, is not a good, this is not good. Um, I remember asking him, does she have brain damage? And he looked at me and just said yes. Um, so again, we were heartbroken, devastated. Um, now for sure things were not going to be how we wanted them to be. Um, I think God was softening my heart this the month prior by the Holy Spirit talking to me that I was able to, although I was devastated, I had peace at the same time. Um, and I, I, uh, I was just ready to fight for her and do whatever God needed me to be. I'd asked him to give me the strength to be the mom that, um, that I needed to be for her because I didn't have those skills. Only God could give me those. So after that, things changed. We had to come up with a plan. We contacted some neurosurgeons and got some different opinions. And she had an MRI. Um, her due date came. This was a hard day because I thought we'd be home at this point. Um, so God did something really cool on her due date. She had never taken a full bottle before. She, w- she just had not even come close. And on her due date in front of both of us, she just gobbled down a whole bottle. Um, I feel like throughout, the, throughout this whole journey, God would give us little snippets of hope. And he does that, he does that for us um, because he loves us. And he just loved on us that day. And he made it a really fun day and a really awesome day. Yeah, so I... Uh, I I worked a lot during all this. We were there for two months, and we only were allowed to have one person there because of, um, of the pandemic. And so I was able to disconnect a lot from this just through distracting myself with work. It's probably a, a male quality or, or something like that, I'm guessing. Um, but I, I went this one day, and during rounds, um, which is the daily meetings with your care team, um, we met with, with everyone, and we just decided that we had to go to a higher-level care facility. It just was beyond St. Cloud, and we had to go to a facility that had a pediatric uh, neurosurgery team. And we decided on Children's um, Minneapolis, and then our a transport was scheduled. So, um, so I just went back to the room and started packing up our stuff, and we were in this little tiny room. It's 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 really small, um, barely enough room to to fall asleep in it. And um, for me, that was one of the the hardest days for me. Is we packing up all your things, your pictures on the wall, your things that you were just uh, kind of comfort items in the room, and you had imagined this whole time that those things would were going to be coming home with you with your little baby. And uh, it, I realized that that wasn't going to happen. Um, I thought that things would be fine. I prayed for a miracle. I prayed for things to be fine, and, and it wasn't fine. It wasn't going to be okay. Um, so there's a picture of um, 
Noah when the transport came, and this was uh, one of the hardest moments for me, is uh, you kind of leave this room, you put her in this um, little transport box, and uh, they wheel your baby away, and you um, kind of left there and in a lot of thoughts and just wondering um, what was going to happen. And I drove from St. Cloud to Minneapolis. Lindsay was there, and I met her there, um, and I cried the entire way. And that was my moment of surrender. That was the moment where I knew that um, my plan or my thoughts weren't going to happen. And, uh, and it was God's plan, and we were just going to trust in that. Um, so when we arrived, we, we were on a, a PICU floor, which is a pediatric ICU floor, instead of a NICU floor, which is neonatal. And the big difference between that is that um, you, you need a lot more um, parent attention at a, a pediatric ICU floor. So Lindsay and I committed to being there 24-7. One of us was always going to be there. Um, we met with their neurosurgery team. Two days later, we, um, we had the first surgery for Noah. So we had uh, our first brain surgery with Noah. They placed what was called a Rickham Reservoir, which um, is kind of like a, almost like a sump pump for her brain. So it's a, it's a um, thing that goes on her, on her brain, and then there's a access into her ventricles, and Every day or every um, other day, they'd pull cerebral spinal fluid off of her brain in the hopes that her body would begin to regulate, that, um, that the hydrocephalus would go dormant um, and just kind of level off. And, um, and it did start to do that. Her head started to uh, stabilize, and it wouldn't grow as much. Um, and for us, children's was a big shift um, from St. Cloud. We, we begin, began to have a lot of hope. You can go to the next picture, Lens. Um, someone gave us this, this awesome blanket, and it became kind of a verse that we held on to because because uh, um, we had just surrendered completely to God's plan. Um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to give you har- or not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. And we were just trusting completely on God's future and His hope for Noah and. Um, so then we, we actually got to go home. Um, so, yeah, she, we were at Children's PICU for about five or six weeks uh, doing this thing where they drew the fluid out of her brain, and uh, they tried one week to not draw any fluid out just to see if, what would happen. So she still had hydrocephalus, but it wasn't getting worse. So they, and, and also she started taking bottles, and there was the list last week that we were there. All of a sudden she just started taking her food, and we were able to take, to take her food, feeding tube out, and um, we got to go home. Um, the plan was to have a, another ultrasound every single week just to see if this was going to get worse or get better. Um, if it gets worse, I mean, it, it is a fatal condition. Um, the way that they take care of this is they put, insert a shunt. It's a drain. It goes into the very center of her brain, and it drains from her very innermost part of her brain down into her abdomen where it's reabsorbed. Um, we didn't want to have a shunt. Unfortunately, shunts come with lots of issues. Uh, 50% of shunts fail within two years of children on average, and they're emergency brain surgeries. Um, it was something we really were trying to avoid. Um, so she got discharged. We were so happy we did not have this shunt. Hopefully we would not have to have this shunt. And um, so she met her sister for the very first time on August 28, 2020, and we had a wonderful week, first week at home with her. It was wonderful. Um, two or three days later after being home, I already knew um, 
I feel like the Holy Spirit was talking to me again. Um, I knew she needed the shunt, and we saw her head circumference starting to grow. So what hydrocephalus does is it fills up with water, and your head just grows. Her head was alarmingly large at this point. And um, we took her in for an ultrasound, and it was confirmed that she it was getting worse. So one week later, we were readmitted to Children's PICU, and Noah had her second brain surgery. Um, she had a shunt placed, a permanent drainage system, to take care of this issue. Um, and that was, that was rough. I think at this point we were so committed to just doing whatever God was calling us to do that we almost felt relief that she was going to have some, she was going to have relief from this illness. Um, so that brings us to today. Um, Noah will be two next month and two weekends ago, she took her very first steps. She is everything that the doctors told us she never would be. We were told she would not do these things. Um, She is talking. Um, She is in physical therapy and occupational therapy. We got her started immediately. (laughs) And she's just incredible. She does struggle with some physical tone issues, but, I mean, she's wonderful. We took her to a appointment with a neurologist at 10 months old and the doctor look at, looked at her scans and he came into the room and he thought he was in the wrong room. Um, he said, your baby does not match her scans. How can this be? And I knew it's, it's God did this. Um, I don't know why we were chosen to have this wonderful miracle. Um, of this girl that's just incredible. It's also been 19 months since that shunt surgery and we've not had one. Um, We've not, she's not been readmitted to the hospital. So we're just, um, I do find sometimes that the anxiety and worry does start creeping back in. Um, and when that happens, I just realize, okay, I need to like, I need to recommit myself. It's not a one-time thing that I can just commit my life to the Lord. It's, it's every day because I can't do this on my own. I can't handle the anxiety of this shunt on my own. Yeah. So that brings us to where are we at today? Um, uh, if uh, having one pandemic baby wasn't uh, fun enough, we we got surprised with the second one, and so we we uh, we found out last year that we were pregnant with our, our third child, and at about 20 weeks in um, in we Lindsay had a, a small bleed, and so we went into the ER, and the bleed the bleed resolved, and it, it was fine. Um, but in the ER, we found out that we were having a boy, which was fun. Um, so we have two girls and a boy. And then we also found out that our little boy was going to be born with bilateral club feet. So both his feet would be turned in. And again, the news was hard. It, uh, it seemed like we hadn't dealt with enough. It seemed like uh, um, we, we had a lot of questions. Um, but uh, we tr- we're, we're trusting God. And um, on January 27th, um, Ross Jacob, RJ, was born. And then a month later, we began to start his treatment at Gillette's for his club feet. So there's a little picture of his feet before. Um, things haven't been um, easy. He's a Vikings fan, by the way. Um, things haven't been, been easy. Uh, we've, uh, we've, we've both dealt with these selfish thoughts of just why, why is this happening to us? And um, we just recommit to, to God's plan and, and his direction in our life. Um, we're thankful we get to be the parents to these three beautiful kids. Um, here's a picture of uh, the three of them. Um, 
and uh, we're thankful for this church. We're thankful for people that are praying for us and, and uh, helping us along the way. Um, we know that there's stories like this all over our church, and, um, you know, we, we feel uh, we, we mourn with a lot of the pain that, that has to happen, um, but we're just we're so thankful for God and, and his plan for our lives and his care and hope and grace and um, just thankful for the opportunity today to, to get to share it with you guys. So thank you.